As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to Carrie Lutz's Financial Survival Network, where you get valuable information you just can't find anywhere else. To thrive in today's trying times, you need the Financial Survival Network now more than ever. Go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com and get your free newsletter and gift. Financial Survival Network, now more than ever. Welcome. You are listening to the Financial Survival Network. I'm Kerry Lutz. Today is 3-10-21. Well, Interest rates shouldn't be any secret or heading higher. How much higher will they go? That's the question. And for that answer, we're turning to our good friend, Wolf Richter, over at wolfstreet.com. Highly recommended. It's entertaining and extremely informative. I check in on it quite often. And if you got any opinions on where these rates are heading, I'd like to hear just send us an email to kl at kerrylutz.com. So, Wolf, you've kind of uh, been following all of the financial news, all of the trends with a, would call, you, call it somewhat jaundiced eye, uh, skeptical as always, which is why we like to check in with you periodically. Where are we now? Where are we heading? Hi, Kerry. Thanks uh, for having me. Uh, yeah, the interest rate thing is is uh, is interesting in, in on many levels. Yeah, the short term rates uh, are still near zero, solidly locked down by the Fed, and uh, the long term rates uh, were heading that way too. And there were predictions back uh, last summer that the ten year Treasury yield would drop below zero and become negative as. Uh, similar uh, sovereign debt had done in in Europe already and in Japan. And so there were a lot of bets being placed on this. And and you've got to remember that when yields go down, uh, they go down because the bond prices rise. 
and and so for people betting on yields declining, they're buying long, they're taking long positions in these bonds and hoping that they get a higher price when they sell them. And these are highly leveraged positions and, and complicated trades often. So there's a huge amount of uh, bets based on that. And then uh, in August, uh, yields turn around and the, the 10-year yield went from half a percent, so from 0.5% uh, on up. And, uh, you know, it's now close to 1.6%. So it tripled uh, over the space of, of half a year. And, and uh, this is a, a fairly significant move and there's a lot of money been lost. I mean, if you, if you just have a, a long-term uh, treasury bond fund in your portfolio or, or exchange-traded fund, you'll, you'll be down 16, 18, 20% maybe uh, in terms of the share price. So uh, this, is, this has been a, a kind of a bloodletting in the bond market. And uh, interestingly, the Fed has spoken with a unified voice on this. And they have said, essentially, as long as this is orderly, uh, we see it as a sign of rising inflation expectations and a growing economy. And we want both of those. And so we're fine with rising long-term yields. And uh, Powell has uh, confirmed that on Thursday. Then interestingly, interestingly on Friday, J- uh, Janet Yellen, Secretary of the Treasury, chimed in and, and said the same thing. They're all speaking of the same, uh, they're all singing of the same hymn sheet. Yeah, there it's it's a sign of growth and a sign of rising inflation expectations. And that's what we want. And therefore, this is good. So for now, the Fed is on record of uh, sort of encouraging long-term yields to rise as long as it's not too sudden and not too far. And uh so this this is an entirely different scenario than uh, than than six or eight months ago, and and you know why are they doing this? And in part possibly because you know they keep buying assets, so these long term yields are rising despite asset purchases. So despite the Fed's buying mortgage backed securities and treasury securities, which include a lot of long term uh, paper, and uh, so this would normally push down long term rates, but it's they're they're coming up despite of these purchases and and. Um, yeah, this I, the way I see this is as as the Fed's mild way of sort of putting a uh, a damper on the markets that have uh, completely gone out of whack. The housing market, yeah, the the bond market, the the junk bond market is still going crazy. It's not been influenced by that at all. I mean, the junk bond yields are still near record lows. Mortgage rates have come up, so this is going to depressed the housing market just a little bit. Um, and we've seen some of the impact already on the stock market. So I, I think the Fed is trying to uh, to tamp down on, on the exuberance in the financial markets in a way uh, without really doing anything. You know, they're just letting it happen without changing their own monetary policy. The monetary policy is still zero interest rate and, and key. So, um, now, the question you ask is, how far will this go? And, you know, this can go, in theory, this could go pretty far uh, if inflation rises, continues to, uh, if inflation expectations continue to rise, and if actual inflation is measured by uh, the various uh, measurements that we have, um, uh, rises. Yeah, so at some point, the Fed will say, no, this is enough. And uh, it won't, um, you know, it will step in to, to keep long-term rates from rising further. I don't know what that point is, but that's the question. You know, what is that point? Is it at, at 2% for the 10-year yield? So we're at 1.6 nearly now, or is it at 3%? You know, 3% 10-year yield uh, would mean 
mortgage rates and in the four four and a half percent uh range and and uh that will be really tough on the housing market so um I it, it currently, you know, I, I think if it goes to 2%, uh, that will already be a very big move. Um, and it will have a big impact on a lot of things, you know, and, and from housing to, to obviously the bond market, uh, the stock market. Um, and a lot of leveraged positions will come undone, which which will trigger a lot of selling in in, in various ways, and uh, and you've already seen some of those ripple effects in the markets uh, of rising yields. And it's not just bondholders; you know, these, these are uh, hedge funds uh, that have complicated trades with huge positions on one side or the other of it. And uh, these disruptions have, have major impact on all kinds of financial uh, 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 assets, you know, and, and, and so we've, we've seen some of that. And, and at some point, you know, this could become disorderly. And the Fed has pointed out uh, several times that it doesn't want disorderly. And so it's, you know, if, if things get disorderly, it, it'll unleash it, it, it's uh, it's QE or whatever it will do. Yeah, buy uh, uh, long-term bonds and and sell short-term uh, securities, that kind of thing. Uh, and and this could happen, but we're we're not there yet. So I think there is room for rates to rise if they rise in a gradual manner, and uh, and if it's if it's orderly, you know, quote unquote orderly. The, you know, Powell said it's he's fine with that so long as it's orderly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, if something blows up, uh, they'll step in. Yeah. Oh man. But uh, the ability of the Fed to control the future, uh, do we give it too much credit to be able to do that, or? Is this uh, is this reasonable? Well, yeah. The the in theory, the Fed has unlimited uh, buying power. It creates its own uh, ability to buy. You know, and, and um, we've seen the Bank of Japan uh, do this for two decades now. And uh, even though the the Japanese economy and society is completely different than than ours, and there's a lot of uh, support mechanisms they have in place to, to, to keep that from, from going out of whack. But, um, so we may not be able to duplicate what the Japanese are doing, but, uh, they have a lot of, uh, resources to buy. Now what they cannot control necessarily, uh, easily is inflation and is, uh, uh, is the currency. And, and so at some point, you know, you will see an impact uh, on the currency in, in, in terms of inflation. Yeah. We've already had, yeah. yeah, we've had a lot of inflation already and we've had asset price inflation out there with food. And, uh, you know, that, that's a big factor. Uh, we had, you know, housing inflation that's not accounted for properly in the CPI. About a third of the CPI, the consumer price index is housing, but it's based on, on rental prices, you know, and it's not priced on housing, uh, house prices. So it underestimates the, the house price inflation in terms of what consumers are paying. And, you know, so the inflation data we're looking at, yeah, we only have 2% inflation. Well, that's not how the expense in your life rises. You know, you're going to be spending a lot more than 2% uh, in terms of price increases, but it's just, yeah, you know, that's what we're looking at. So they have cost a lot of inflation already. It's just not being properly documented in our inflation indices that we use. Uh, so if they're uh, looking at consumer price inflation of 3% and 
CPI of 3%, you know, that means that their own inflation measure will hit about 2%. And that's kind of the target. Uh, and they're going to let it run over. So three and a half, four 4%, um, you know, this, this is going to be tough. And, uh, yeah, for a few months, it's fine. You know, it's not going to have a huge impact, but, uh, if, if this continues, you know, 4% inflation, the way it is being measured now, uh, it, it, it would be very, very tough to deal with for an economy. And, and you know, it's your the purchasing power of labor gets diminished by that. It's the purchasing power of the dollar that gets diminished with inflation. So people that earn money in dollars, they see the purchasing power go down. Um, yeah, the creditors are good with that, but the uh, uh, I mean, the debtors are good with that, people that have a lot of debt, or companies especially, but if they can raise the prices. But in terms of consumers, this is a uh, it's a difficult situation. If wages don't come up at least as much, you know, you'll you'll see uh, uh, consumers, especially at the low end, you know, that will have to cut back because they can't afford the higher prices anymore. Yeah, that's an interesting issue that you raise because we haven't dealt with inflation as an issue, an economic issue in probably 20, 30 years, even though it's been there, but it's uh, been handled in such a way that it's not apparent. But wages and individual incomes generally lag inflation substantially, certainly in the beginning and into the middle. And then towards the end of the inflationary cycle, they start to catch up and exceed. But then again, the economy is fundamentally different than it used to be. I mean, we could be dealing with inflation in in way different terms and it could get higher too, right? I mean, all this stimulus money floating around, all of these uh, monetization of debt, which basically goes into the bank's pockets. Uh, when rates start increasing, banks start lending more, right? Don't just survive, thrive. The Financial Survival Network. Trilogy Metals is a world-class developer in Alaska's Ambler Mining District. The company already possesses 8 billion pounds of copper, 3 billion pounds of zinc, over 1 million gold equivalent ounces, and now over 77 million pounds of cobalt. Trilogy's Arctic project boasts an after-tax net present value of $1.4 billion with a 33% IRR. Trilogy is led by an experienced management team with proven success in discovering and developing projects in Alaska. The company is well capitalized, has no debt, and possesses strong institutional support. Trilogy trades on the New York and Toronto exchanges under the ticker symbol TMQ. To learn more, go to TrilogyMetals.com. That's TrilogyMetals.com. This is the Financial Survival Network, the information you need to thrive now more than ever. Yeah, if if there's demand for loans, and uh, there may well be. I mean, we'll have to to see that. Right now, everyone is awash in 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 money, you know, and and uh, you know the consumers are borrowing, companies are borrowing, so that's already taking place. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how much bigger that's going to get, you know. Um, you can always use another flat screen, right? Well, for yeah. uh, or maybe a, a fleet of Teslas, like uh, you know, because since we're not going to have any ice engines and uh, Tesla is going to own the world, um, all these things come into play. Uh, as far as precious metals, is the uh, new inflationary cycle going to uh, see precious metals go up or are we going to see it kind of stagger around where it's been you know, kind of going lower on a bearish intermediate trend since its peak in 
August 7th of last year. So the question is, precious metals, they're going to be a beneficiary of this? Yeah, as you pointed out, uh, I think they've already been a beneficiary of this. And uh, they had a pretty big run up uh, going into the summer last summer. And uh, when you look at the numbers, that's pretty big, you know, and, and uh, so they they could have accounted for uh, the future inflation pressures that way. You know, it's really hard to uh, I mean, you would think that uh, markets are forward looking, you know, and if they see inflation coming up on the horizon, they will react before they get there. And this could have been the reaction by precious metals to the inflation scenario we're now looking at. I um, mean, that could be could be one ex- explanation. I mean, they've had a huge run up uh, into uh, into last summer and, and a two, uh, like two years worth of, of increases, Jan. And it. You know, I, I, this could be that it, that that's the reaction we already had. It's already uh, baked into the cake. So that that could be one explanation. On the other hand, if inflation turns out to be bigger and better than than uh, we uh, estimate now in, uh, in in official terms, you know, I th- there could probably there could be another run up in precious metals uh, to account for that. Uh, there is a lot of interest switching from precious metals to cryptocurrencies, you know, and I think that has taken out some of the steam from precious metals. And, uh, um, you know, that people that have switched and sold the gold and, and bought uh, Bitcoin, that kind of stuff, you know. And, and um, so there, yeah, there's some, there may be some rotation there too, even though it's completely the opposite, actually. You know, I don't know why people do that, but. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> why do people, you know, why do they do anything? Um, why are they hoarding toilet paper when the world's coming to an end? You know, I don't quite, I don't quite understand any of it. Uh, well, I do. It's, it's emotional. And the cool thing about cryptos, one of the things I find really co- cool about it, and people accuse me of being a crypto basher, which I'm not. But one of the cool things is they trade purely on emotion. There is no underlying anything. You don't look at production. You don't look at, you know, things you'd look at for a stock or for a commodity. None of that applies to cryptos. Strictly emotion equals supply and demand, right? Yeah, and that's uh, the the design. You know, you wanted to, the people that came up with this wanted to have something that couldn't be compared to anything. And so that the price would float around there, and as you pointed out, in its own universe, you know, there's no PE ratio, there's no revenues, there's no no yield, no dividends, nothing. So the price could be anything from zero to infinity in theory. And the idea is to make uh, supply limited, but it's really unlimited because there's thousands of cryptos out there now, and uh, some of them are fairly big. And, and of course, Bitcoin is the biggest. Uh, but there, you know, there are all these copycats out there, and and uh, yeah, there's now uh, quite a bit of information coming out that that Silicon Valley has been behind this for many many years, and mm-hmm. and you know that this is kind of a there's this Bitcoin mafia out there. <laughs> of Silicon Valley people and Bloomberg uh, uh, put that together, and and uh, these are billionaires, you know, that have pushed this concept of creating something that is nothing and selling it for, uh, you know, some amount of dollars, <laughs> and then and then getting all the funds to buy into it, and they've succeeded. Yeah, you know, they've they've gotten a lot. That's brilliant. Of, 
Yeah, it's brilliant. And I mean, when you think about it, there's no upper limit. There's no, the lower limit is zero. The upper limit is infinity. And so if you have enough powerful voices pushing this, uh, prices will go up. And, you know, if enough hedge funds and enough pension funds and enough asset managers buy this stuff, uh, you know, the result is that the, the price is going to go up. And, you know, this is in a way, this is a genius. You know, <laughs> it's just, and it's not, it's not illegal. It's not doing anything, uh, not violating any law or anything. You know, so um, there's no prospectus or there's, you know, you don't jump oh. through the hoops of Wall Street. So it's, it's I mean, hey, we just uh, started a new coin. It's called the Ponzi coin, and uh, <laughs> in honor of Charles Ponzi, we've uh, bought up uh, large swaths of swampland in Florida that can never be built upon or developed, but it is an asset and uh, it's asset backed. So I think we should do pretty well on it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of those uh, choke coins have done exceedingly well. I'm thinking about doing my own too. <laughs> the Wolf Richter coin or the A Wolf, Wolf coin, Street, yeah. the Wolf Street <laughs> coin. I think, I think uh, there's something to it, you know, and a special offer to existing uh, viewers of uh, wolfstreet.com, you know, you can get in on the ground floor of this because basically now you can buy crypto uh, blockchain software infrastructure off the shelf, pretty much base it on Ethereum and you can, anybody can do it. Uh, it reminds me of uh, Murray Rothbard. He always used to talk about competing currencies, you know, and he would say, um, instead of dollars, we're going to have Rothbard's and now we can have Rothbards and uh, trade them to our heart's content. <laughs> yeah, and then when you think about it, you know, there's more cryptos out there now than there are stocks in the United States. So over a span of a few years, that's that's how they have multiplied. Yeah, I love it. I mean, <laughs> it is. There's a genius behind it. And when you talk about Silicon Valley, we all know the big ones. We're talking Facebook, talking Amazon. And uh, Google, we all know there is a certain government entity behind the rise of all of these, uh, all of these uh, Silicon Valley titans. Not to play conspiracy theorist, but this is pretty well documented over time, and you just have to look, and you can see it. So, so hey, everything works out for the best. I mean, that's the kind of market we're into now, and that's what the large, vast majority of the masses believe that somehow it's all going to work out for the best. Yeah, I mean, that's what the hope is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, reality, though, we have this yeah. thing called reality. Well, hey, you're advising Joe Sixpack or Steve Chardonnay uh, what to buy in, buy cryptos, buy precious metals, stay in the stock market, buy real estate? Well, the issue now is that all asset prices have been inflated uh, dramatically, with the exception of some, uh, yeah, there, there's some exceptions, but uh, you look at uh, the general categories of cryptos, I mean, they've gone completely nuts, the stocks have gone nuts, the bonds have gotten hammered, the high quality bonds have gotten hammered recently, but the chunk bonds are still up there in the, in the crazy sphere. Uh, so it's very tough to recommend buying 
anything right now because everything is so risky at this point. You know, the, uh, the, the everything is so overvalued. And, and uh, if you buy now, you know, you're buying into the hope that they'll be even more overvalued in the future. And that could be the case. But, uh, you know, this is a very, I think it's a very tough time to to tell people to buy anything. You know, I, mean, I think there's a good uh, case to be made for, for hanging on to stuff that you have. Uh, if you buy a productive asset, so if you buy a, a, a business or a building or uh, something that will produce something, um, you know, a rental building or, or a factory or, you know, a farm, uh, you know, uh, yeah, that, that's that's another thing where you have more control. But I, I mean, even farmland has gotten incredibly expensive, mm. and and uh, uh, I mean, in some of the industrial sectors, so warehousing has gotten incredibly expensive. Sure. Uh, uh, offices, though, you may get a deal on an office tower. Um, <laughs> you, you know, if he, if he can handle seventy percent vacancies, and um, uh, yeah. The, so it, it is right now. I think it's very tough to recommend uh, really to, to buy anything. You know, I mean, it's just uh, it's a high risk environment. I've never seen a riskier investment investment environment than right now. Yeah, you and me both. But yeah. let's just say you got kids, younger kids, and you want to put money away for their college. All right. Or for them to start a business, because I don't know that college really is going to exist in its present form in another 10 years. There's certainly an argument to be made that it's going to change dramatically, especially when I can uh, go study the theory of relativity from the most brilliant minds in in the uh, physics sciences in physics. I can do it for nothing now. And yet I'm going to pay 60000 a year, seventy five. It's going to be interesting to see society's changing so fast. And that's maybe what makes investing more risky than it ever has been. In addition to to assets being overbought, overvalued, and the fact that uh, that money is just pouring into everything now, eventually the party ends. And I know you'll be telling us about that when it happens. So we go over to WolfStreet.com and we'll check you out. I urge everybody to sign up. Uh, Wolf is must-reading. I love your irreverent tone, Wolf, and uh, and your insightful knowledge here into what's going on. Hey, thank you, Kerry. Hey, well, thank you. We'll talk to you again real soon. And uh, happy, safe, sane investing to all of you out there. Thanks for listening to Carrie Lutz's Financial Survival Network, your solution to today's trying times. For the latest, go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com. Financial Survival Network, now more than ever. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.